This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I am on the phone with Professor Robert Patman. How are you, Robert? I'm fine, thanks, Matthew. Good morning. So, the AUKUS Pact, and we have seen New Zealand flirt with the idea of possibly joining the pact or certain parts of it. Right. Why now for New Zealand? Like, what has changed since Jacinda Ardern was in power and the last time it was first announced? What's changed? Well, I'm not sure anything has changed yet. Uh, I think New Zealand's uh, very interested in some of the uh, technologies, the defence technologies, which um, are supposed to be cutting edge. Um, And certainly New Zealand, because it's uh, a non-nuclear security, a non-nuclear security policy, uh, certainly can't join, uh, can't be a full member of AUKUS Mm -hmm. because, um, as our listeners should be aware, on September uh, 2021, when AUKUS was formed, a part of the initial uh, impetus was for for Australia to obtain nuclear-powered submarines, and that process has gathered momentum with the announcement mm-hmm. recently that Australia would receive three Virginia-class uh, uh, American nuclear-powered submarines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, in a sense, New Zealand can't legislatively be part of that arrangement. Uh, I think it's exploring the possibility of right. looking at the second dimension of AUKUS, which is for AUKUS signatories to uh, basically go in, um, explore and deepen uh, technological cooperation in sort of cutting-edge areas such as quantum physics and also new um, defence capabilities generally. So um, I think we're in the process of looking at that. But I'm not actually, personally, I'm sceptical that New Zealand would be strategically sidelined if it remained outside AUKUS. Right. Uh, because why do I say that? Well, because New Zealand's already part of the Five Eyes intelligence sharing mm-hmm. arrangement um, and therefore will not be excluded from those discussions about cutting edge defence technologies because it's already part of the grouping that consults closely in that area. Um, and secondly, um, it has. Uh, it's uh, an informal partner of NATO and has been Mm -hmm. since 2012. So it has links to all the European defence industries. Uh, And thirdly, it has excellent bilateral relations with both the United States and Australia. So I, you know, personally, there's been a lot of commentators have been pushing for New Zealand Mm -hmm. to be part of AUKUS. And it's largely based on the fear that we will become sort of excluded. Um, Our voice won't be in the room on high-level discussions about def- uh, defence cooperation in high-tech areas. I, again, I'm not actually convinced by that argument. Uh-huh. I think um, being a member of or being even a partial member of AUKUS could actually hurt New Zealand. And, yeah, so continue with that line of thought that it might actually hurt New Zealand. Do you think it would hurt New Zealand's relations with a lot of the Pacific Islands? Well, potentially, yes, because... Uh, not just the Pacific, but also the majority of countries in the Indo-Pacific. Mm-hmm. What we haven't mentioned so far, AUKUS was set up by three English-speaking countries right. to protect 
the Indo-Pacific from a threat to what's called the international rules-based order. Now, the threat wasn't named, but it's clear it's China. Right. So these three English-speaking countries are taking it upon itself to protect um, part of the world, that's Indo-Pacific, which constitutes 60% of the world's population. That doesn't sit well with a lot of countries which are far more fearful of China than either the United States or um, uh, Australia or New Zealand. I'm talking, for example, countries like Japan, um, South Korea, uh, Indonesia, uh, Vietnam. Now, Japan and South Korea haven't spoken out, but um, they've been a bit lukewarm about the arrangement. And the other thing is that countries like Indonesia and Malaysia have openly criticised it. We shouldn't forget Mm -hmm. that a non-nuclear approach is the approach that most countries in the Indo-Pacific prefer. Um, uh, The 10 members of ASEAN have all um, signed the 1995 commitment that uh, the ASEAN countries would remain um, a nuclear uh, weapons-free zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and um, that, that's quite important. So, in a sense, New Zealand has, we have to think about our national interests. One of our key national interests is to diversify our economy, mm-hmm. to have constructive relations with China, but not dependent relations with China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already export, what, 31% of our exports go to China. So, most business people in this country, most, I think, Political leaders, and this is not a partisan point, I mean, I think it applies equally to National or Labour or anyone in between, that they would agree that it might be good to diversify our trade so that we're not so dependent on China. But this arrangement of getting closer to the United States, uh, UK and Australia and looking to be involved with group um, countries which might be uh, acting in a way that's counter to non-proliferation, nuclear non-proliferation, mm-hmm. that might actually harm our efforts to build better economic relations with, you know, some of the countries we've just discussed, mm-hmm. uh, which are all dynamic economies. So we've got to be very careful here. Um, the other thing is New Zealand sells itself as having independent foreign policy right. that is different from a country like Australia, which is often seen as very close to the United States by many Asian countries. And so we should be careful about eroding that diplomatic advantage. After all, at the moment, New Zealand has the best of both worlds. It has very close ties with the United States and Australia and most Western countries, but it still has the capacity to take an independent stance, Mm. for example, opposing the US illegal invasion of Iraq in 2003. Right and also pursuing its own security policy. So that's what I meant by becoming even a partial member of AUKUS. You have to think through what the consequences might be. And do you think that this could possibly be a issue for this year's election? Because we've seen Christopher Luxon say around the same things Andrew Little's been saying of looking for options to join. Do you think that this will be an ongoing thing throughout the entire year? Is this... I'm not, sure it, I'm not sure if they could probably in the election, but let's be quite clear about this. Would Christopher Luxon or Andrew Little or Chris Hipkins be comfortable 
if AUKUS is headed by Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis in mm -hmm. uh, 2024 after the election. Right. These are people who are committed to undermining everything New Zealand stands for in the world, including the international rules-based order. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, of course, is a completely different kettle of fish. But we... It, it is... You know, this is why Paul Keating, the former Prime Minister in Australia, has blasted Australia's participation in AUKUS. It's very expensive. It's costing Australia more than $268 billion. And it's based on the, it's based on the binary assumption that only the United States and its close allies can counter the Chinese threat. First of all, it's overstating the Chinese threat. Uh -huh. China's got a lot of the problems itself. You know, neither the United States nor China can run the world. They may have fantasies about it, but look, most of the problems we face, whether it be climate change, COVID-19, transnational terrorism, problems of an expanded global economy, none of those problems can be solved mm -hmm. by one power acting alone. And so, in a sense, you have to say, is the US-China rivalry being overhyped? And mm. should we base our policy on an exaggerated threat, or do we take a very cold and clear look at where our interests lie? Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.